Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to today's episode of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. I have no ado for today, so let's move right on to today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up is the saying, a fly in the ointment. This means something is ruined by a small thing. Nowadays, ointments typically refer to things like medicine, but back in old-timey times, they were much more. An ointment could refer to any sort of oil or cream that could be used for ceremonies or cosmetically. This saying, or at least the idea behind it, can be traced to the Bible. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Chapter 10, verse 1, we find the following. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. While this isn't the exact phrase, it definitely sounds like a precursor to it, since it relates a literal fly in ointment to a person being seen only for a small bad thing rather than their overall goodness. Ecclesiastes was written sometime between 450 and 200 BC, so at least the idea of this saying has been around for at least that long. In 1692, a book of sermons was published. It included sermons by Thomas Watson, an English Puritan preacher and author, several of which referred to a dead fly in ointment or a dead fly in the box of ointment. He died in 1686, so while the book was published in 1692, his use of the saying was older. I couldn't find out anything about when dead dropped out of the saying, but I doubt this saying will die out anytime soon, as it has been around for a long time. Now, let's say goodnight. Okay, we aren't actually saying goodnight, but we are going to talk about a good knight, the kind who wears shining armor. These days, the phrase, a knight in shining armor, kind of generally means someone who saves someone else. Back in old-timey times, it would have meant a literal knight in actual armor. A high-ranking knight would have had highly polished armor, which would have shone brightly, especially in the sun. Knights were known to do good deeds, which would have included saving people. This is the basic idea behind the saying, that knights in shining armor swoop in to save the day, both in reality and in fanciful stories. However, as old as knights are, the saying doesn't seem to appear in print until the late 18th century. It was in a poem titled Amusement, a poetical essay, written in 1790 by English poet Henry Pye. He wrote, quote, no more the knight in shining armor dressed opposes to the pointed lance his breast. End quote. So, while real knights may have inspired the saying, it wasn't used in the time when knights were gallivanting around. It's merely a more modern-day saying that harkens back to imagery of daring do-wells, dressed in flashy metal to protect them as they saved damsels and fought to protect people. That's all I could find on this one, so now it's time for today's According to segment.
Toppers, today we're reading from legends, lies, and cherished myths of world history. And I found in here they have a section about knights, so I thought it would be appropriate to read that one, since we just talked about knights in shining armor. Here's the history of knights, according to the book. Was the knight's life romantic? Well, they lived in cold, drafty castles. In the field, they had to put up with heat, cold, fasting, hard work, little sleep, and long watches. They often died young. They rarely rescued damsels in distress, and many died broke. Says one historian, they spent more of their time in search of income than romance. They got to play in tournaments, though, didn't they? Most didn't. Tournaments did not become popular until the late Middle Ages. Anyway, tournaments weren't as romantic as Hollywood has made them out to be. Often there were accidents, like the time Knight Roger de la Bum accidentally forgot to use a blunted lance instead of a sharpened one and killed his jousting opponent. This kind of thing happened so often that eventually both the Catholic Church and the French monarchy supported a ban on tournaments. They wore suits of shining armor, didn't they? Actually, through most of the Middle Ages, knights wore plain suits of wire mesh. Suits of shining armor weren't developed until near the end of the period, and anyway, most knights couldn't have afforded them. They did live by the code of chivalry. This part is true, but the code could be peculiar. Say you were a knight and you wanted to kidnap someone with whom you were at odds. Under the code, you could. All the code said was that your demand for ransom had to be reasonable. What was a reasonable ransom? It was whatever you decided it was. That was the beauty of the code. It was flexible. Another peculiar feature of the code was that gentlemen were required to behave gentlemanly only toward other gentlemen. If a knight wanted to give a peasant a good thrashing, he could. Another myth about knights is that they always fought on horseback. English knights, at least, often didn't. The French thought this was very stupid, and during the Hundred Years' War always had a good laugh every time they saw that English were fighting on foot again. Ha ha ha, they'd go, look at those dumb Englishmen fighting on foot. And then the English would win, always such a surprise for the French. Why didn't the English fight on horseback? Because they often couldn't afford the horses. Besides, they discovered that archers armed with long bows could defeat horseback-riding knights. Henry V beat the French at Agincourt this way. Most English knights did not fight either on foot or horseback. The fact is, most English knights never fought. In the words of historian Sidney Painter, the majority of English knights never got nearer to real fighting than paying their scuttage. Scuttage was the fee levied by the crown on knights not employed in battle. It wasn't England's knights who usually fought and won England's wars in the Middle Ages. It was mercenaries. The advantage to the king in hiring mercenaries was that they could be hired directly in Europe, where most of the battles took place. Transporting English knights to Europe would have been expensive. Besides, when the mercenaries died, the king didn't have to worry about the reaction of their families. A king could lose a lot of mercenaries in stupid wars before the people back home began wondering whether they ought to get themselves a new king. When it was their own kind whom the king got killed, they weren't as lenient. What became of knighthood after the Middle Ages? 
Englishmen continued to be named knights well into the 17th century, but by then it wasn't the honor it formerly was. One of the great complaints of Englishmen then was that they were being named knights and they didn't want to be. People became so afraid they might be the next one named a knight, they forced Parliament to pass a law saying nobody could be made a knight who didn't want to become one. The problem wasn't that they'd be made to fight and they didn't want to. As we've seen, most English knights never had to fight anyway. The problem was taxes. Knights in the 17th century paid higher taxes than other folks. Forcing knights to pay higher taxes was one of the bright innovations of King Charles I. It was dreamed up by his chief accountant, Julius Caesar. At first, as you can imagine, it seemed to Charles like a terrific idea. Anytime he needed to raise more revenue, he just named some more knights. But I'm sure even he eventually saw that it was a mistake, like around the time he was beheaded. Now, I'm not saying they chopped off his head just because he'd introduced the special knights tax. This was just one of many things people didn't like about his reign, but it didn't help. Alright, toppers, that's it for the book, so now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Harriet Tubman. Quote, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. End quote. Thank you, Miss Tubman, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't work yourself into a fever every time your husband omits to turn up at the expected time. He is in all probability neither run over by a motor car, nor robbed and murdered on his way home, nor lying in a lonely land with a sprained ankle, nor in any other of the terrible predicaments your imagination pictures. Probably he stopped at the bookstall to buy an evening paper and so missed his train. So don't greet him hysterically when he does arrive. And now for the men. Don't forget to be your wife's best friend as well as her husband. True friendship in marriage does away with all sorts of trouble. Alright toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word.
Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers. Thanks for stopping by. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. In the book of Ecclesiastes... (laughs) Why does that sound so weird? Ecclesiastes. So while the published, no, drast and flat, drast, why didn't the friend, no, 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 no. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.